worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, a human has received a genetically altered pig's heart in a transplant for the first time ever. Plus, China's lunar lander found water on the moon. And a look into the origins and phenomenon of Wordle. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. For the first time ever, a pig's heart has been transplanted into a human, and so far, he's doing great. 57-year-old David Bennett Sr. received the heart on Friday at the University of Maryland Medical Center as a last-chance shot at survival from a life-threatening heart condition. Bennett is awake and breathing on his own and expected to come off of a heart-lung bypass machine later today. Now, while it's being called a watershed moment, experts emphasize that it's more of a one-off and that as transplant physician and chief medical officer of the United Network for Organ Sharing, Dr. David Klassen told the New York Times, quote, it takes a long time to mature a therapy like this, end quote. The pig itself was genetically altered. Some genes were inactivated, like ones that cause a human rejection response or would keep the heart growing after the transplant, and other human genes were added to help the pig organ be more amenable to a human body. Quoting Stat News, Scientists have been toying with animal-to-human tissue grafting and organ donation, collectively known as xenotransplantation, for centuries. Throughout the 1800s, doctors treated wounds with skin grafts from a variety of animals, most popularly frogs. In the 1960s, 13 people received kidneys from chimpanzees. One lived an additional nine months, but the others died within weeks. In a more controversial episode, doctors at Loma Linda University Medical Center in California transplanted a baboon heart into a premature baby born with a fatal cardiac defect in 1984. She lived for 21 days, and it was later revealed that the surgical team had not sought out a human heart before opting for the riskier and more headline-worthy primate option. After these and other failures, the medical community largely turned away from xenotransplantation. The human immune system was just too robust, too good at expelling alien intruders. But the arrival of new and better methods for altering DNA to create designer animals optimized for the purpose of providing human-compatible organs revived the dream. And now there are a handful of labs and companies chasing cross-species transplantation, including Harvard biologist George Church and E. Genesis, a CRISPR-focused company that spun out of his lab. End quote. But despite the long history behind xenotransplantation, it's never been without controversy. PETA predictably issued a statement yesterday decrying the transplant and warning of the potential for spreading viruses between species, though the New York Times says that this risk is considered low due to the mitigation factors put into place by the transplant team. 
And while the University of Maryland team took great care to use a pig genetically altered to prevent such spread and used a new immunosuppressant drug to decrease the likelihood of Bennett's body rejecting the organ, Stat News notes that this new drug has not yet been tested for this kind of use in non-human primates. And some critics are also wary considering this procedure was not conducted as part of a formal clinical trial. That said, Bartley Griffith, director of the cardiac transplant program at the University of Maryland Medical Center and lead of the surgical team who conducted the transplant, had obtained emergency authorization use from the FDA to use this pig's heart, as well as for the experimental use of another anti-rejection drug. And this genetically altered pig was from Revivicor, the company that in December of 2020 received approval from the FDA for their GalSafe pigs, which are genetically engineered not to produce a sugar that causes organ rejection. And you can hear more about that on the December 16th, 2020 episode of this show, link in the show notes. But this other genetically altered pig from Revivicor, with the more than 10 gene alterations, only got emergency approval for this specific case. Now, Bennett, for his part, underwent an ethics review and psychiatric evaluation before giving his informed consent for the procedure. He's told the press, quote, It was either die or do this transplant. I want to live. I know it's a shot in the dark, but it's my last choice. End quote. Bennett's medical team had ascertained that he was too sick to qualify for a human transplant or mechanical assist device, which is why this experimental procedure was his last shot. And time will tell how the procedure works out for Bennett, but it will likely be even more time before a formal trial of a pig-to-human heart transplant or similar procedure takes place. Due diligence and more steady testing needs to be done as ethical concerns continue to be addressed, but as Stat News and the MIT Technology Review both pointed out, the leaps forward made by gene editing really is opening doors. There are tens of thousands of Americans on organ transplant waiting lists, and if we can find some other solutions to prevent the roughly dozen people who die every day waiting for an organ transplant, it'll be well worth it. China's Chang'e 5 lunar lander returned to Earth last month, carrying the first physical moon samples recovered in over 40 years and a bevy of new data that is continuing to be analyzed. And yesterday, an international team of researchers led by the Chinese Academy of Sciences announced that they've detected water under the surface of the moon. Quoting Science Alert, Although we've seen evidence of water on the moon before, this has been either from orbiting or passing spacecraft or samples returned to Earth. This new evidence is the first ever recovered from in-situ measurements. The breakthrough supports previous findings that water could be relatively abundant on the moon, bound up with minerals in the lunar regolith, the top layer of dust and rubble on the moon's surface, end quote. And from New Atlas, quote, The new study has found the presence of water in the form of H2O or OH hydroxyl molecules in the northern Oceanus Procellarum basin much closer to the lunar equator. The area where Chang'e 5 touched down is a lava plain that is made of some of the youngest mare basalts on the moon. Using the Lunar Mineralogical Spectrometer, or LMS, on board the lander, Mission Control carried out spectral analysis of light reflecting off the regolith on the surface and a rock in the vicinity 
vicinity of the lander. According to the team, the heat coming off the lunar surface during the daytime would have overwhelmed the spectral records, but using a thermal correction model to correct the LMS spectra allowed the scientists to see the spectrographic signature of water, showing that the regolith holds less than 120 parts per million of water, which is similar to the amount found in the samples returned to Earth by the mission. This isn't surprising, and what little water there is is probably the result of molecules brought to the moon by solar winds. But on examining a light and vesicular rock, the instrument showed that it contained about 180 ppm of water. That might not seem like much, but because the rock may have come from an older layer of basalt beneath the lunar surface that was thrown out by a meteor impact, it may mean that there was an outgassing of water from the interior of the moon sometime in the past that was trapped in the basalt. This means that there may be sources of water away from the poles, locked in rocks that could one day be tapped. End quote. And if they can one day be tapped, that could mean future lunar missions have a source of drinking water and the ability to produce rocket fuel, breathing air, and more. More findings from the Chang'e 5 are likely to come out in subsequent weeks and months, and meanwhile, NASA's Artemis 1 uncrewed test flight is expected to launch this spring, kicking off the agency's new era of lunar exploration. Have you seen everyone posting the green and yellow emoji boxes on social media, usually followed by some kind of fraction-looking score like 4 slash 6? That is the latest trend to sweep the crossword-doing, newsletter-reading, terminally online crowd. Wordle, launched in November but really taking off over the last week or so, is pretty simple. Every day, there is a new five-letter word to guess. You get six guesses, and for every guess, letters are illuminated kind of Wheel of Fortune style. Green boxes mean you guessed the right letter in the right position, yellow boxes mean you guessed the right letter in the wrong position, and gray boxes mean the letter is not in today's word. The simple yet challenging game has attracted huge numbers of players in recent days, 300,000 at the start of the month to 2 million last weekend, and already spawned a series of spoofs, a ton of fan art, endless daily tweets, and at least one ripoff. The game was created by a Brooklyn-based software engineer whose name is Josh, wait for it, Wardle. Yes, the game gets its name from Josh's actual last name, Wardle to Wordle. It's almost too perfect. Wardle created the game for his partner, Palak Shah, who loves word games. It was just a fun thing for the two of them for a while, but when he shared it with some family members, their enthusiasm convinced him to make the game public. Now, how has a game that only gives you one challenge a day and lacks all the bells and whistles of typical games these days taken off in such a big way? Well, that's probably exactly why. The game only exists on a website, there's no app, and it's a very simple design. You get to play once a day, getting the same mystery word of the day as everyone else who plays it, and that's it. Wardle says that he was inspired to make it one game a day, in part by the New York Times' Spelling Bee game and Daily Crossword. And he says the scarcity leaves people wanting more. He told The Guardian, quote, Even though I play it every day, I still feel a sense of accomplishment when I do it. It makes me feel smart, and people like that. 
end quote. And since Wardle just made it himself without a team, originally just for him and his partner, quoting the New York Times, the initial design ignored a lot of the growth hacking features that are virtually expected of games in the current era. While other games send notifications to your phone, hoping you'll come back throughout the day, Wordle doesn't want an intense relationship. It's something that encourages you to spend three minutes a day, he said, and that's it. Like, it doesn't want any more of your time than that. End quote. And Wardle doesn't have any plans to add any of that either. One of the few changes that he's made as it's become more popular is giving people an easy way to share their results. While the blocks of emojis people post on Twitter and other platforms can now be copied to your clipboard with one click when you hit share after completing the day's puzzle, the emoji blocks themselves started as an organic trend among users who wanted to share the results in a spoiler-free way. And quoting again from The Guardian, Part of the appeal of Wardle's game is that it harks back to a more innocent age of the internet, gaming experts say. Users have grown cynical about many apps' ethically dubious use of their data and attempts to monetize gameplay or foster addictive behavior. The internet is in a really bad place at the moment, but this is great because it's not doing all those nasty things. It's what the web was like when we first had it. It was much more playful, said Adam Proctor, who leads the game design course at Southampton University. End quote. And it's uniquely suited for the moment. A small challenge, distraction, and pocket of joy during these rough times. And something you can share with the millions of others who are playing it too. As Dan Sinker described it on Twitter, quote, Undervalued part of Wordle is that it is a collective, shared experience that's also asynchronous. End quote. With everyone who plays getting the same challenge, it reminds me a little of HQ Trivia. And like others, I'm wondering when the trend will hit its peak and how stark the fall or potential backlash will eventually be. While Wardle himself might want to keep it all fun and simple, he can't control what the rest of the world does. Even though he implied to BBC Radio 4 that he doesn't want to create a mobile app because he's, quote, a bit suspicious of mobile apps that demand your attention and send you push notifications to get more of your attention, end quote, one guy has built an app by the same name with a couple of minor changes to the gameplay, but it's otherwise a complete ripoff that features pretty much everything Wardle hates. The app launched just yesterday, so we'll see what happens there. There are a plethora of more lighthearted parody versions as well. There's Swerdle, which has you guess four-letter swear words, Queerdle, which has a pink pastel background and includes words more common in the queer community, Letteral, in which you have to guess the single letter of the day, and Squirtle, a Pokemon-themed version. And there's an increasing number of games inspired by Wordle, but which make it a little more complicated or offer unlimited gameplay, like Hello Wordle and Absurdle. There's also an increasing number of guides online, from mathematicians, linguists, and more, instructing players on the best tips to crack the daily word in as few guesses as possible. Link to an intriguing one in the show notes if you're looking for tips. It does feel like we are really approaching peak Wordle at the moment. Everyone is jumping on with their own tips, jokes, and creations. There is even already a Chuck Tingle novella for sale on Amazon called The Physical Manifestation of Wordle Pounds My Butt as a Slightly Frustrating but Ultimately Rewarding and Meditative Daily Routine. I think once your game has been immortalized by Hugo Award finalist Chuck Tingle, you've officially made it. Where will Wordle go from here? 
As a cultural phenomenon, I'm sure it will calm down within a week or two. As a game, Wardle seems committed to being a responsible steward of the game for its millions of users. He told The Guardian, quote, It going viral doesn't feel too great, to be honest. I feel a sense of responsibility for the players. I feel I really owe it to them to keep things running and make sure everything's working correctly. I need to be really thoughtful. It's not my full-time job, and I don't want it to become a source of stress and anxiety in my life. If I do make any changes, I would like to think that they're changes I would have made even if it was just my partner and I playing. End quote. U.S. quarters featuring poet Maya Angelou have begun shipping. These are the first in the new American Women Quarters program, which will run through 2025. Other women to be included this year are Nina Otter Warren, a leader in New Mexico's suffrage movement, Anna Mae Wong, the Chinese-American film star, Wilma Mankiller, the first female principal chief of the Cherokee Nation, and Dr. Sally Ride, the first American woman to go to space. The Maya Angelou design, showing her with her arms raised and a bird flying behind her, inspired by her autobiography, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, was designed by Emily Damstra, the U.S. Mint's Artistic Infusion Program Artist. George Washington will remain on the front of all of the American Women Quarters Program coins, but he's getting a bit of a facelift. Instead of the existing 1932 John Flanagan design showing Washington facing left, the new quarter uses another 1932 design by Laura Garden Frazier, in which he faces right. Her design, like Flanagan's, was part of a competition to design a coin for Washington's 200th birthday, based on a famous life mask bust of the first president. While Fraser's design was highly recommended, it wasn't ultimately chosen. It was, however, used 70 years later, in 1999, for the commemorative gold $5 coin. And now it will feature on all of the American Women Quarters program coins. The Mint says that you should start seeing the quarters in circulation at the end of this month and early next. But that is it from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.